All right, welcome to the Eric Enders Lang Show. Today we have a special uh, episode. This may have been years in the making. I think so. <laughs> I think and, so. You know, I get so excited because I never know what we're going to talk about with you. I know. It can we, go anywhere, and it's really good. We, we began our discussion years ago. Like, I mean, how many years? Five? Well, yeah, yeah, I think. And I think our very first discussion was here. You're right, in Arizona. Yeah, and we were on the range, and we were talking about meditation. So, okay, so, Lynn, <laughs> I guess, how, how do you guys divide and conquer? You're, you're a team of, I'm not going to say coaches, because I feel like you're gonna, that's not what you call yourselves. Well, well actually, we do yeah. call ourselves yeah. coaches, yeah. We, what we don't call ourselves is backswing teachers. Backswing teachers. <laughs> we're, we're, we're more encompassing of the whole game, so we do call ourselves coaches. Yeah, okay. We do. And how do you between uh, Pia and Lynn? Lynn, you, how do you how do you guys? Uh, sorry, I looked at you each other backwards there. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> how do you divide the roles of you know owning a business and, and training uh, schools of golfers? Yeah. Well, I, I think you know we are fortunate that we have different strength and the same. But I think you know when we create things in books and stuff, it's usually. I create a structure and draft, and then Lynn comes in as she's even a lot more creative. So we have different roles, and then we put it together. So it's really good like that. When it comes with the with the player coaching, it just you know it's just ended up being a joint thing. But sometimes we notice that the player responds better to Lynn, or or something's easy for me to do. So it's divide and conquer what whatever is best for the players, and then we don't have any ego involved with with that and that's yeah. really important well and and also i mean sometimes we play good cop bad cop mm-hmm. you know very intentionally you know with a player like okay i'm gonna say what he doesn't want to hear or you know sometimes that's p it but we'll we'll do that intentionally yeah, yeah. and you uh Pia, you're from Sweden. Yes. And Lynn, you're from the. I don't know where you're from actually. Well, I'm from. I'm American, but I'm from upstate New York. Okay. Yeah, originally. Yeah. And how did you two meet? Well, yeah. actually, what it started, we went to college at the same time. Me at Arizona State and Lynn at Penn State. So we actually the senior skit together. But I didn't know Lynn. <laughs> but what happened was when I started coaching, and I was a coach of the Swedish team. And I went to the U.S. a lot for trainings and educations and coaching. And any time I went to any training anywhere with the PD of America or others, Lynn was always there too. And at that time, we were often the only female younger professionals. So we just became super good colleagues because we would just stood out among all the guys. So Yeah, it breaks. Yeah. There were only a couple of yeah. us. <laughs> no, and then, then, then I had often Swedish players it at Arizona State and they would say well there's this teacher helping the team and she says kind of the same things you're saying so we realized without knowing it that you know our passion wasn't golf but we enjoyed reading things beyond golf to help us be better in golf so I think the first time I visited Lynn like 70% of her books in the bookshelf were the same I had that weren't you know just about the swing plane and things like that <laughs> uh, like what books are you talking about well, I mean, so it could be, you know, anything from, from uh, you know, sports psychology to meditation to, you know, performances in areas way outside of golf to read and learn from to bring to golf. and yeah, Back know, then, you know, I mean, it, there were like books on NLP and things yeah. like that and yeah. golf in the kingdom. Yeah, and, of course. Yeah, yeah. those kind of things. But yeah. Uh, yeah. 
It, and so you're basically or drawing on the right side of the brain. Like, what does that have to do with golf? Well, actually, I don't know. It has a lot to do with golf. <laughs> okay, let's go into it right now. What is it? I guess before we go into that, what, yeah. what, overview, um, Vision Fifty Four. Yes. That that came how many years after you guys met? Well, actually, it's well, his brainchild from, oh. from Sweden no, but, originally. You know, no, it, yeah. it started there because I was getting frustrated with the Swedes having so many excuses. So. Because Wait, what way, do you mean? Excuses? Well, excuses. Like, how can, we can't be that good because our winters do too long and Southern European countries, Americans are too far ahead. And they're always like had excuses. And I'd been in the U.S. going to college and played on tour and I, I didn't like it. So Shell Enhager, another guy who helped me with the team, and we were talking like we need to change how they're thinking. And they, then we just came up with that all of them had just about all of them had made birdies on each one of the holes of the home course. So we just challenged them. Okay, what would it? What would ever need to happen if you're going to do that during the same round? Because obviously you've done it, but what would it take? How do you need to think? How do you need to practice? What happens? So it just came from the beginning to change the mindset. And Annika Sörenstam, I mean, she took it to heart from the first time she heard it and always had the 54 head cover. So it's one of the best things we ever did just to change and look for possibilities instead of excuses. So then when Lynn and I started working together, we call our company Coaching for the Future. And it's one of the most stupid names we could have ever well, picked. I still <laughs> like the name, but, I know, but, but from a marketing standpoint, no, really bad. Because everybody thought we were just doing coach training. And then everybody <laughs> kept saying, well, you, 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 you guys believe in the 54. You believe, and we kept hearing that all the time. And even though Lynn didn't do the 54 you were known for having a different mindset yeah. so we just said like exactly. okay let's change our name to vision 54 because it's it says something about our philosophy and it's what everybody's catching catching on to yeah but but as pia said like 54 is a number but i think both of us you know the company you know the last 20 years it's been about having all golfers realize their possibilities so for some it's breaking 100 for the first time or 90 or 80 or you know, but it is more looking at the possibilities in their game. So it wasn't with, you know, with the elite players in Sweden, it really was 54. Like, you, you can shoot 54. I, Annika believed that her whole career. So that's pretty do cool. You, do you, and so <laughs> at what point did you talk to her about that? Had she shot her 59 yet? No, no, no. This was in February 91. <laughs> <laughs> and how old was Annika? Yeah, she, no, she was 20, 20 at that time. So, no, so it was way before, but it's just, I mean, she caught on to the mentality, always look at what's possible to do, what's possible to get better at, what's possible to focus on, and just go for that and see how low it can take you. So did she look at her 59 as being like five over? Well, no, but the first thing she said walking off the green here at Moon Valley in Phoenix, the first thing she told me walking off the green, she said, Pia, now I know it's even more possible because after eight straight birdies, she knew she got in her own way. What? Yeah. What happened? Well, she just, after starting with eight birdies, like I said, Wait, she... Uh, she went, she started, started with eight, eight birdies. birdies. And okay. then it felt too good to be true. So she started thinking about how good she was doing. And then she lost it and only made parts. But then she <laughs> caught herself again and just go back to the process, what she does in what we call think box and play box and things like that. Right. Sorry, one sec. And so what were the other kind of, uh, that sounds like one breakthrough, right? In, in the experience of teaching differently. Uh, mm-hmm. What were some other big ones that you've experienced? Well, right? I just want to say, because uh, he actually gave us a ride over here today, is uh, Russell Knox, who's playing here this week. 
uh, the Waste Management Open. He's he's had a 59 in competition. You know, so we've we've, we've coached two players mm-hmm. who've had 59, not 54. But how many total? Then you're you're like 20 percent. Then <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's like that's a large group. Yeah, yeah. But but to your to your question, I think um, we look at the game from a wide view in that it's a human experience and it's a technical experience. So, I mean, for a player to shoot 54 or lower, they're going to need, obviously, very, very good technical skills. But they're also going to need to have what we call really highly skilled human skills. Yeah. Because you can't play golf without yourself, as yeah. far as I know. So, <laughs> so that's why. And it's so exciting right now because so many are getting a hold of that because we're never talking about it's golf, you know. Uh, you know, physical or mental, and it's like it's both and a lot more. But so many more are catching on. Like Lynn said, you need to have proficient technique, but your your body and your mind and your emotion changes every day and during the day, and it's going to affect your technique. So if anyone wants to improve, you just want to focus on both areas. Right. And I still haven't heard any reason why it wouldn't be smart to focus on both areas. So yeah. how do you do that? Well, we would you do that first, like we said, when you play golf, for example, one simple thing is that there are four areas of playing golf and the golf course. You need to figure out how to get your body, mind, and emotion in a good state. It's the before shot, it's during a shot, it's after a shot, and all the time between shots. So at least in those four areas of playing golf, you need to know something about how to get yourself in a performance state so your technique can function. Before, during, after, after, and in between. Yeah, yeah. and where do you spend most of the time on the golf course? <laughs> in between. Yep. And a lot of people take themselves woo, on the downward spiral between shots. Well, the joke is, you know, I, I can't remember when I read the stat first, but I was like, oh my goodness, a round of golf is four hours, but you only play golf for like a minute and a half. Yeah. You're only swinging, if the swing mm-hmm. is one second. Yeah. Right, exactly. That's a fast swing. Yeah. <laughs> One and a half. I mean, two 1. minutes. 1.7. Yeah. 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 Let's give it two seconds. And for me, sometimes I have, you know, 90 shots around. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, it's like the, that, that, so, so at some point, are you teaching some golfers just how to enjoy it more? Well, that's, you know, one one of gazillion pieces, but I think the number one thing beyond technique that most golfers need to learn is actually learn to pay attention for that one to two seconds. I think the most common things in the golf course is that golfers of any level get distracted, distracted by bunker, distracted by other people, distracted by their own thoughts. So even though they want to feel their hips rotating, they can't stay with that for a whole swing. So the first order of business for men is learn can actually pay attention during my whole motion. I mean, I think one of the hardest parts about golf is it's just so, it's draining when you play it like that. Well, it's only. Well, it, it, but it's only a couple of seconds. Right. What's draining about but a couple that, of seconds? Then yeah. think of all that downtime you have. Yeah. So, so what do you do during the downtime? <laughs> well, I mean, there's okay. lots of things. I, we we say this. We've coached a player who's won a major championship doing Sudoku puzzles between <laughs> shots. Yeah. Well, While walking. <laughs> yeah, in, in in her, it was a, a an LPJ player, in her yardage book. But obviously, there are gazillion <laughs> things, and if everything is fine, you don't have to worry. I mean, you might talk to your partners, you might listen to the birds, you might do whatever, but if you know 
I mean, like many nodes, for example, they get tight in the hips during a round of golf, walking or waiting. So, you know, so they should do some stretching every three holes. <laughs> right. Or if you start worrying about like you're winning your match or you're going to have the lowest score ever and you're getting ahead of yourself, you know, you just need to count your steps or sing a song or do something. I mean, there's simple things to do, but many needs to be more aware of what tools do I have to do things between shots so next time it's my turn I'm more likely to pull it off so you, you both of you have had so much experience in golf I'm curious to know if you've ever looked at imagine everyone that's played golf is it something like how many is it right now like 20 million people play golf right now mm-hmm. I have no idea yeah total guess yeah. I think it's a lot isn't it like 20 million in the US so it must be yeah, so maybe it's more. We'll call it X. Yeah. yeah, There's X number of golfers in the world. Yeah. Have you ever tried to, buy, you know, buy in lieu of or, or um, in order to potentially understand your students more or the golfing public more, understand are, are there st- how many stereotypes? Not stereotypes, but how many types of golfers are there within that X? Like three types, mm. five types? Like no, I honestly I think if there are let's say there are 28 million golfers, I think there are 28 million. Types. <laughs> <laughs> I do. <laughs> I think P is trying to say everybody's unique, <laughs> but um, I, don't, I don't disagree. I, yeah, I, and I've actually yeah, said a but, similar thing you myself. Know, I mean, actually, we have looked at typing instruments. There's there's mm-hmm. many of them out there. Mm-hmm. So you could look at Myers Briggs. There's one called DISC. There's one called the Enneagram. Uh, has nine types. Um, yeah, but I, I think you know people are motivated to play the game for different reasons. Some people are play are motivated to play the game to win, totally just to win and to beat others. And it doesn't really matter their score as long as they win. And some people are very motivated for the social aspect and just to have relationships in golf. So it's the breakfast before, it's the talking on the golf course, it's the drinks afterwards, it's planning the next outing. <laughs> you know, so it's all that kind of social stuff. And then some are intrigued by the systems of golf. So it's like, you know, what what are all the measurements on their clubs and par? And, you know, they, they look at the swing as a system. And then some, you know, really look at it as a striving for excellence, almost the tortured quest. So those are the perfectionists out there, and they just love it. They're like, "Oh, I love golf because I can play by myself." That's how you, that's how you know that person, right? So that would be like four types, but you can't like stick people in these little boxes. But but it is important to know why do you play golf, and then make sure that whatever reason that is for you, that you nurture it. You know. So I guess then for me, I'll put aside your legendary careers and all of the success you guys have had. Why did you, why do you play golf? Why did you get into golf? Yeah. Well, for me, it was about, I learned my mom and dad. So it was about relationships and it's always been about relationships. So like, I mean, I, I never really enjoyed playing golf by myself. Like what if I made a hole in one and I saw love it? playing with myself. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I want well, are... it be like not fun. <laughs> I'm kind of more on Lynn's side here. <laughs> no, but I and, and I think it can change through uh, your lifetime a lot because I you know, did play competitive for many years and it was about that personal thing of excellence and trying to get better and I mean all of that was really intriguing to me. But like today when I play, it's not. I just love being out in the nature and and being out there testing things that working on or thinking about that can help others is more exploratory and 
I don't, I don't care about the score. I'm just out there enjoying the game and testing things. So I think the, that spirit of the game, you know, can change through your life. We were we were talking about this a little bit the other night um, when when we were as a as a as a group here. We were talking about how we, you know, I mean, we've. Well, like when we met, right? When mm-hmm. when I met the two of you, we I came out to the school, uh, Vision Fifty Four at uh, Talking Stick, yeah. and it was about me getting better at golf, kind of, you know, and uh, you know that was uh, an early scene uh, segment of Be the Ball, the the documentary that's still available to be done. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> so it's a, it's a really good scene, actually. Mm-hmm. Stewart's seen it all, mm-hmm. and um, but anyway. That was kind of that segment. And what's funny is now I've watched my career shift into more about how do we help others enjoy the game more. Yeah. And yes. so it's not really that different from what you guys do, except I am not available for swing tips. So mm-hmm. People actually send swing tips. They, <laughs> I'm like, I don't, I don't ever do. Why would you ask me for a swing tip? <laughs> but I wonder if that has um, been, how has that been for you? Right is is moving into this phase of caring about other people's games and and really, in some sense, it's a it's a purpose that's more for me at least invigorating. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, I just look at it this way: if you're going to spend time of your life, time, money, and energy, shouldn't it be something you enjoy? And we think that's true for even these elite, you know, PJ Tour players that we're coaching here. Um, but really, for all the recreational golfers of the world. I mean, come on, this should be an enjoyable experience. And we often say, like, we have two intentions with our coaching. One is that you play better golf on the golf course. We don't care if you have a good swing on the range. And then the second intention is that you enjoy the game. I mean, it should be that you come off the 18th green and you go, that was a worthwhile time, or, you know, of my time and my money and my energy. So, yeah, it's a... I mean, it's a big deal for us that that people enjoy this experience. Yeah, yeah. No, I I would say that, and I just feel when we we realize those of us that are teachers and coaches of the game that we realize that you can improve as a golfer and enjoy it more by learning to hit it further or have better technique, and or you can learn it through having better managing yourself on the golf course and i just think there are of those let's say it is 28 million maybe 27 million 750,000 of those would improve a lot if they worked on things beyond technique and that would make it easier to actually learn and they would get better quicker and of course they may still want to have low scores so they may want to have an outcome but to have trainable human skills so they can stay focused more on the overused word process so they can have you know these better outcomes but so many players go out and will say what are you going to focus on today oh shooting low score (laughs) and they're kind of like ah you need a few more focuses besides (laughs) that one (laughs) why do you think just to sort of understand the problem a little bit um why do you think people what, what what do you see commonly, what's the most common reason and what's sort of an unusual reason that someone would walk off a course and say, I didn't enjoy that? Because they, they only judge it by their outcome. And if the outcome is not good, it must be a miserable day, would be one. Well, and, and yeah, and I mean, 
many people just tied their self-worth to their score. You know? Self-worth yeah. to score. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right. I'm a bogey. <laughs> no, I made a bogey. I am a bogey. <laughs> Ouch. If someone called me a bogey, I'd punch them. <laughs> right. But that's how some yeah. people feel. They're so, they've personalized this whole game. You're just like, no, you know, you just whacked well, it around, no. you know, more than one over yeah. par or two over par. But come yeah. on. And one of the things that, you know, that happened is just why we need these other skills. Because, I mean, the brain is still default has a negativity bias. Meaning if you hit three good shots and three bad shots... You're going to remember the bad shots easier because the brain is wired to pick up the negative stuff. So. Whoa! Wait, is this is this sort of like the hot pan? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, can you, you tell? Know. Can you? Yeah. So no, but you know we have a thing in the brain called the amygdala where we store memories and and it stores negative things faster and quicker than positive and it is so we don't walk into fires and we, you know, don't put our hand on the hot stove. It's you know it's a very very old mechanism that we should be grateful for because it keeps us alive. But left to its just default. Yeah, default on the golf course, every golfer remembers and personalizes the negative things more than the good shots they've hit, unless we learn other skills to have pull shot. So I think that's why the game can get so many because, and then usually they sit in the bar and all they talk about, oh, if I didn't miss all those putts and if I didn't hit it out of bounds on that hole, it could have been much better. And everybody's just wallowing in. All of that. What could have been. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. So now you guys work with an incredible roster of professional athletes, LPGA, PGA, all the others. But you also work with a lot of amateurs. Are you telling me that this idea of removing the self-identification process with score helps with anyone who's playing golf? No matter the level? Yeah, Absolutely. As long yeah. as it's a human. <laughs> I would love to meet a ferret golfer. <laughs> oh. <laughs> what, uh, what, what, what has been on the professional scale, the professional level, what is the most astounding story that you've ever been a part of? I'm sure you've seen a lot of very interesting well, things. Well, I mean, but one of the more you know, recent ones, and you know, she's been so public about it, was still so amazing. I mean, Aria Yutanagan, who is the number one player in women's golf right now, you know, whatever, a year and a half ago when she became number one for the first time. And when she, you know, she called a week later and she just said, you know, she's still young. She was 21 at that time. Said, like, I don't like it. I don't think this can make me happy. Why do I want to be number Whoa. one? Because I, everybody's calling, all the text messages, so much pressure. I don't like it. And then what happened? She missed five cuts in a row and took care of being number one. <laughs> wait, wait. And how long have you been working with her? Uh, three years now, yeah. And but so, at this point, when this year, happened, year a, a, a year and a half. But why, so after a year and a half, she so, goes, I don't want to be number one? No, because she didn't like it. Because she wants yeah. to be happy. And But anyways, so we knew it and why it was so incredible to be part of because... She she doesn't mean anything for her to make money so she can buy cars or and it doesn't mean anything. So unless she could find a a motivation, intrinsic motivation, why it would be really meaningful, it's not going to happen. And yeah. and you know it took a few months. Yes. Yeah, so then yeah. I'll just tell the the end of that story was in uh, end of seventeen was at the last tournament at CME in Naples. Um, we meet with her on Monday, and she said, um, 
She goes, I've been thinking about it a lot, and I want to win this week. And we're like, oh, really? Wow. Tell yeah. us. Tell us more. Yeah, so, I think yeah. I want to come back to win and be number one. Yeah, and we're like, so tell us, you know, like, what, what caused this change? She said, well, you know, I just really feel that, you know, what I'm doing in Thailand is a big deal because, you know, in Thailand, for $350, you can educate a child for a whole year. And she said, so I just want to play golf for all these children in Thailand that don't have opportunities. And, and she said, and raise money for, for them to get educated and so forth. And right there on the spot, we gave her 350 bucks. Nice. But the interesting thing is, I mean, this is a really true intrinsic motivation. She goes out and wins the tournament <laughs> and, and makes a million dollars. It was pretty cool. So yeah. that, you know, so that's one of the later cool ones to experience. Yeah. So I mean, how do you, uh, how do you, how, I mean, what do you, how do you teach that? What do you do? We can't teach you. We can yeah. just, by questions and listening, you know, guide her and get her to discover it sooner. So maybe it took a few months instead of twenty years. So we can't. It's only it has to be the player. But hopefully, we're good enough coaches to help her draw it, draw it out and. So and what you're so out. what you're kind of saying is yeah. she. She was okay with winning when it wasn't about her being the winner. Is well, but she saying? didn't. She didn't know the the fee, what the feeling would be to be number one. And when she finally got there, she didn't like it. The, the implications of all that, like you wake up the next morning and you have a thousand text yeah. messages. How, you know, how do you yeah. deal with that? She didn't want that. No. no. Or the pressure <laughs> from Thailand being the you know one of the top stars and all of that, till she could reframe it to something that actually meant something. Hmm. Yeah. And then she was interested in learning other things to deal with the media and interviews. And okay, I need—I guess I need to learn to do that because I'm doing this not for me, but I'm doing it for those other people. Do you find that it's common that people achieve their desires and then are dissatisfied? Yes. Yeah, I do. What the fuck? <laughs> I know. That's so I that's, know. That's it's awful. Kind of, yeah. Well, well, because because the number one reason why it happens is that. I don't know anyone in life in anything that thinks that the, the extrinsic success automatically leads to lasting happiness. So it needs to be intrinsically that, you know, okay, so winning or shooting low scores or being number one, what does that make me feel? What, that's, what am I able to do? It needs to be something beyond the money and the trophies because it doesn't last. So it's not nothing wrong with wanting to achieve the outcomes and the scoring and the rankings, but it needs to be backed up with with your own uh, values and your you know who you are and not what you do it needs to be strong. Yeah, and it goes back to I'm not a bogey. I made a bogey. I mean, it's the same thing. Yeah. You know, I you know I am number one, but it doesn't mean I'm like better than anybody. You know, I'm still a human being that mm-hmm. gets up and so, goes yeah. on. So we we remind day. them yeah. a lot about that. Yeah. And, you know, I used to tell Annika that so many times, like, you know, remember that the golf ball doesn't know you just won four tournaments in a row and it doesn't care. It does not care. You actually need to show up and do what you need to do like all other players. No special treatment here. That's, uh, that, it would be a very special ball if it did know that. <laughs> That's so interesting. So what do you think... Um, but this is a golf podcast, so I'm trying. I to... know. <laughs> <laughs> well, but why we 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 the, we always say that you said it earlier. So to play good golf, you need 
you know you need to have you know good enough technique for the goals you have in, in with your golf and to play good golf you still need to know how you make a decision that you trust you need to know how you stay focused during the swing you need to know the smartest way how to react to shots and you need to know what is best for you to do between shots so you know that but then what we're talking about now you also need to know why in the world am i even golfing and we can see that with for example spouses playing and one of them only plays to satisfy the other one it's not going to work i mean each one of us need to find the reason why do i love this game yeah, we call it yeah. finding yeah. your spirit of the game. Yeah. You know, and, and everybody's like, everybody's spirit of the game or motivation yeah. or it's, whatever you want to call it, intrinsic motivation. It's it's going to be different. Yeah, but, but it's what yeah. gives you as fire and passion and it gives like life to the whole system. When I watch you, Eric, you know, and yeah. on your social media posts and just, it, you look like you love swinging a golf club. And then you love swinging a golf club like in these incredible settings. And then all the kind of the stuff around golf too. But but you can tell like you really, you, you yeah. love doing that. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's I, really, I do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, so that's what yeah. we're talking to. So that applies to every golfer. And sometimes when the golfers get too tied up in I am my score or it only matters what I score and they, then they you know, that happens to many of the professional golfers after some years. They become empty shells. They're out making golf swing, but there's no life inside of them, and it doesn't work. So you, you need to have that, like, I love doing I love making golf swings. I love playing golf no matter what my score is. So I want a good score, but I need to love it beyond scoring. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break, everybody. Hang on. All right, Precision Pro, everybody. Precision Pro Golf makes amazing golf rangefinders that are the perfect combination of price and performance. Um, listen, whenever I see someone on the range or wherever I go, if I see someone with a Precision Pro rangefinder, I see a paisano, a countryman, someone who's not interested in basically overpaying for a product. Same the same way I feel about vice balls. You know, it's like it's just like. We cut out the middleman, we make a great product, and we get it out to you so that you can basically afford it. I mean, I don't know. I I don't know. I, I just, I would rather have uh, something that's good value, right? Uh, right now, the NX7 Pro is on sale. Whoa, $40 off. Go get it. $40 off. That's a good deal. What's even better is that you can get an additional $10 off for being a listener of the podcast when you use the promo code ERIC at checkout. That's $50 off. I mean, jeez. I'm going to go get some. I've said that already. Over 800 verified reviews from real golfers can't be wrong. Here's what Ty had to say about his NX7 Pro rangefinder. He goes, uh, while waiting on the tee box in my last round, there was a hawk flying overhead. <laughs> the NX7 Pro is so fast and accurate that I was able to measure the distance to the hawk while it was moving. 178.4 yards, if you're curious. So that's about a, that's an easy six, hard seven. Um, if the NX7 Pro Golf Rangefinder can measure a hawk, it can definitely measure a flag. That's been my experience. Um, well, also Ty's experience. Uh, go to precisionprogolf.com and use coupon code ERIC, E-R-I-K, to get $50 off the NX7 Pro Rangefinder today. Swing with confidence, hit more greens with Precision Pro. All right, one more read, folks. Adidas. Over 5 million pieces of plastic are floating in our oceans, which 
over time get broken down, making it easy for sea life to ingest, ultimately affecting our own food chain. So it is your problem. It's not just a world problem. It's you. It affects you. Adidas is working with Parlay to prevent plastic entering our oceans and transform it into high-performance sportswear. Mm-hmm. Shoes is coming soon. Just hold on. Hold your hats, folks. I'm not even done with the ad. Stop trying to figure out what I'm going to say. Adidas is spinning the problem into what? A solution. The thread into a thread. I don't know what that means. It's written here. It says the thread into a thread. I don't know who wrote this. Adidas Golf is bringing eco-innovation to the golf course in a, the form of a special edition shoe. All right, this is legit, actually. This is the first time the Parlay shoe has been uh, a golf shoe. I've had it in um, form of a running shoe. I mean, look, it's a, it's a sick shoe that serves a purpose, okay? That's where you get it. Um, the Tour 360 XT Parlay, the first ever golf shoe. Oh, look, they already wrote it for me. The first ever golf shoe made from pla- uh, recycled. Oh, no, it's not called recycled. It's called upcycled. I don't know what that is. I feel like I should probably Google that. Upcycled plastic waste that was intercepted like Jason Bourne from the beaches and coastal communities before reaching the ocean. Dang, I didn't realize this is Jason Bourne's golf shoe intercepted i mean i'm a golf guy but i also love football who doesn't love a classic interception especially when it's jason Bourne saving planet earth entire upper of the shoe is made with threads spun it's also a dj amazing from the upcycled plastic waste my phone's ringing it's andrew marler hang on all right, well, that was a 20-minute phone call, but you have no idea. It just went by like that. Um, anyway, the Tour 360 XT Parlay, the first ever golf shoe made from upcycled plastic. I already read this because it's got the intercepted line. Intercepted from beaches and coastal communities in a world before reaching the ocean. The entire upper of the shoe is made from thread spun from upcycled plastic waste. Built is built as the Tour 360 XT, you still get great traction and stability. I feel like, what's that line from Taken? I have a certain set of skills. <laughs> they will take you. Available starting June 10th at adidas.com. And for those headed to the U.S. Open at Pebble Beach, a select number of pairs will be sold on site. Get into it, folks. All right, back to the show. Hey, Sklar Brothers here, Randy and Jason, and we have a couple of podcasts. If you you know them or you don't know them, check them out. We do View from the Cheap Seats, which is sports and comedy, and we have a podcast called Dumb People Town where we break down stupid behavior done by stupid people in this stupid world of ours. It is hilarious. Check them both out. And now, check out this podcast. So I guess the question I keep coming back to is like, is there only one reason why people get dissatisfied with the game and it's basically no. score? What's the other is what are the other reasons? Oh that well, I mean I mean some some not people, hitting is solid. Yeah, I was just gonna say they go Oh, they they evaluate, you know, this experience on a past experience where they go, Oh, it was so sweet, so perfect and this one wasn't. I mean, you know, it, like that—that that solidness of contact. Yeah, and, and some kind of some because they didn't didn't like the company whatsoever. Oh, I see. 
So have you ever have you ever uh, worked with someone who was not able to find their own spirit of the game? Who was just oh, like yeah. you were like uh, this was years ago. I taught at a private club many many years ago. This lady took Valium before she played golf, <laughs> <laughs> and then well, she came for lessons. And I thought, oh my god, like there's nothing that we can do with no. her golf swing that's going to help her enjoy this no, game. No, but like, you you know. you at the yeah. golf school way back was a someone who realized he should quit playing. Yeah, I mean, that's a funny yeah. story. But, I mean, this actually, it was a doctor from St. Louis, um, and he was a member at a really nice club there in St. Louis, Bell Reeve, where they have the PGA Championship. And he did this five-day golf school with us, and at the it wasn't with Pio, it was a, with another colleague of mine. And at the end of the golf school, he came up to me and he said, Lynn, I figured it out. And I'm like, what, Doc? Tell me. Like, it's a big deal here. And he goes, yeah. I'm never going to play golf again. And I'm like, oh, gosh. Like, you just spent, you know, five days with us. He's like, no, 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 you don't understand. He goes, I don't like playing golf on the golf course. <laughs> he goes, I love being on the range, scraping a ball over and just hitting it and watching it fly out in the middle of the range and then scraping another ball over and hitting it. He goes, I love that. He goes, when I go out on the golf course, he goes, it's nothing like it is when it's on the range. And I go, but you remember this great club, you know, great golf course in St. Louis. And he goes, yeah, I'll probably keep my membership. He goes, but I'll just stay on the range. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> and, and through the years, there have been many, many players that I've been around and realized, like, I don't think this golf thing is for me. Wow. Yeah. yeah. But it's better they realize that now than Yeah, I won't, 20, I, and I won't say the later. name, but it was an LPJ player, and she came to Arizona right after the first ladies major over in Palm Springs and we kind of had a come to Jesus meeting if you will and I said okay if you win this tournament this tournament this tournament would that make you happy and she's like nope okay then if you won this tournament this tournament this tournament would that make you happy nope she goes I think I should quit golf well, I'm like, wow. I'm like, wait a minute. You came here for coaching, and now you're like going to walk away from the game. But honestly, she was out there playing for her dad, and she wasn't playing for herself. Right. And it was much better to figure that out, like in her late 20s, than when you're 50. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So it's cool. That's that. That's sad to think about that. Well, because you love golf. Yeah. Well, it's just sort of like it's not that hard to find a way to love it. I mean, we, I think that's that, pretty no, amazing. I mean, but I think that's why so many love it because there's so many reasons yeah, for exactly. liking it. But of course, there are going to be some that push to do it and they never, never made sense to them. That's like it would be weird if it wasn't didn't happen for some. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess I, think, I guess I think a lot about the person who um, took it very seriously because I mean, in the beginning for me, I I did want to get good, you know, and now I just like I can't even finish eighteen holes. I just don't care. Like, it's like, why is 18 holes all of a sudden something real? Mm. What's the difference between 11 and 18? I know, right. I love, I love 12 holes. Yeah. 12 <laughs> just takes less time. I and I get to right. do more. Yeah. Yeah. I still get my golf fix, though. Yeah. Yeah. And But in the beginning, like, the it beginning. wouldn't even have occurred to me to leave early. Leaving early would have been a failure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And now it's more like a smart decision for my life. Yeah. 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 When, when, like, it's... And I guess, for how many people in the world does score actually... Uh, encounter relevancy. I mean, at what percentage? It's got to be like super, super low. Yeah, yeah. But I think we sort of add that value to it, and it's not necessarily. Well, you know, but we we come across many lately that realize how much they go out 
enjoy going on the golf course like you done at our golf school go and just check out different tempos or grip pressures and explore things and then they say well I can't do that in my club because I have always have to post a score right and that's like and we yeah. just had this discussion yeah. we're yeah. like you don't really just make up a score <laughs> you know <laughs> like, you know no. it doesn't really matter like this should be but about your experience wait, not what some do you mean? score you, you've got to post in the in you the always locker have to room post a score doing. meaning they're not allowed to play and not post because of their handicap correct i didn't realize that was a rule yeah. I, I don't know how official it is, but I've heard it now from so many. Yeah. Or in Sweden, they have this thing, they always play stable forward, and it drives me crazy. <laughs> They're like obsessed with, they have to know their stable forward points. It's like, how about us playing golf here today? Yeah. <laughs> and also, I think sometimes the system of golf yeah. set it up that some people feel forced to do that, even though the love of the game would be not always to score. Um, so you, so the I, golf school is five days, three days, three, three days. Yeah. yeah you, we start one on Saturday. You can come and revisit. <laughs> Catch up. Mm-hmm. Um, for people who don't know, can you explain a little bit about what it is and how it differs from a lot of the other options out there for people? Uh, I know that I still think about things that we did there. Oh, fine. You know, there were so many fun aspects to it that definitely reframed the way I played yeah. at the time, which was, I think, I think it was five years ago. Yeah. Well, I mean, just a couple of things with our golf schools is important. Many come there to learn the skills beyond technique so they can play better golf on the golf course. So, of course, we focus on what we call the think box, play box, and memory box, which is before, during, and after the shot and between shots and the skills. You get time to practice that. And when that gets good enough, we can see how it's affecting your technique. But we don't like to do technique before we know these other pieces are at least good enough. And then we go on the golf course every day, and, and the, the golfers really enjoy getting the on-course coaching about how, how they best can manage themselves on the golf course. Yeah, because many golfers have never had any feedback on the golf course. They, you know, they've maybe taken lessons, and they've been given feedback on their swing on the range. But they haven't actually had a coach with them on the golf course that gives some feedback on the skills of playing the game. Like they may they may have had a playing lesson where they've done strategy, but they haven't been given again like uh, real time coaching on hey, did you really commit to that decision? Yeah, or or t- <laughs> well, like time to actually explore. Like they've never thought about what's the best way for you to make a decision. They never even considered it. So that. Just have them like test some different options here, and they go like, "Wow, I didn't know that if I, if I just like, am more clear not only my target, but I actually decide what tempo I'm going to use. Like I play much better out here. So it could be a really simple thing, but you need to be out in the context of playing to figure out different things that makes things work better for you. Yeah. So it, we, as P said, we go out on the golf course every day, and then we have some range time and short game time, and we talk a little bit about practice. Um, because some people practice a lot and some people practice very little. But then how to maximize the time you do practice towards your goals and what you want out of the game. And uh, it's, it's, what's the average class size, like 20? No, uh, so you say 12 to 15, 16, depending on how many of the are good coaches can help us out. Yeah. <laughs> right. and, and we often will have, in fact, I know this weekend we have that, we'll have... Uh, a tour player, a mini tour player, a very, uh, you know, a, a good amateur with up to a 15 or 20 handicap. Yep. 
Fascinating. Yeah, because yeah, I remember in my in our class, Mia was there. Right. And we haven't really, we've kind of stayed in touch, but I know she wanted to play, uh, I think she's maybe Symmetra now, does that yeah. sound right? Yeah, mm-hmm. she is. That's yeah. great. Yeah. She was not on a tour when, no. when she was uh-huh. in the class. Yeah. We should yeah. FaceTime her. We should see where she's at. <laughs> you know, Russell Knox, Russell Knox tells this story, like he came and he went to a class or a program, three-day program, and then the next week he goes out and qualifies for a web.com event, then he wins a web.com event, and then he gets, like he said, the whole thing just snowballed into him getting his PJ Tour card, but it started with coming to the golf school. He actually, he actually said uh, when he was here just a couple of weeks ago, I think I need to go to the three-day class again it would be good to get like refreshed <laughs> that's so are you, do you, what when do you guys pinch yourselves you know when, when do you when do you wonder if it's all a dream well actually every day but i mean really i i'm grateful because i get to do what i love to do yeah and not, I just, not everybody gets to do that yeah i mean I, I i love it too because like you you said uh, you get to do things that you have passion for i do too because i love the mixture of the golf schools and the tour players and then have time to read and studying and keep learning and keep growing and making things better i really like that part what of what is the most important part of your personality what what, what is activated the most during teaching typically wow well this is how i knew i was going to be a teacher or a coach was that when i started doing it uh, you know, right after college, like Pia played the tour, but I became a PGA professional and I started teaching golf. But what became really important for me was that I lost myself. And so like hours would go by and I'd be like, wow, what? you know, so now, you know, we could explain it. I was almost like in this meditative state out there teaching golf, but I lost myself. And I, and I really liked that. Like the time just flew by. So I'm like, I'm meant to be doing this. I know, stuff. and for me, it's almost <laughs> opposite. I feel when when I'm really good, I'm really good at taking more of the bird's eye view of with the player playing the game of golf, and get the big picture. What's actually going on here? And if there's a big puzzle, what pieces of the puzzles is still missing or not as good as it could be? I I think from all my playing and and coaching and learning, I think. I love I love that I love that challenge and I think uh, I every year I get better and better at that so you can like help them see in on what they can actually take action on to make a difference. And when you start working with like a new student, what what is the what is the scariest sort of concoction that that you that you encounter with it with a new student? <laughs> what's the, what's the hardest? Well, I think it's always new students. It's always that uncertain because you have no clue what you're stepping into. As a student, yeah. or for as you, a, as a coach. Ah. No, it is because it's like totally unknown. So it's always like I don't know. And I, but I like the challenge that you can prepare, but you can't really prepare because you start observing and asking questions. And you have no idea where it's going to lead to. But I think the scariest thing is if you know, if they think they're going to get a quick fix in an hour, or they have close family members standing over them and you realize that they are more in charge than the player, then you know this is not going in a good direction. That's common amongst junior athletes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's why. Well, I think... I think <laughs> well, I, mean, I know, that's no, like another I, whole podcast, no, which no, would I, be a good one. No. So, I mean, some, some yeah, in, I mean, it's culturally related yeah. that it happens more because... 
that's how they've done things for a long time. But then I feel s sometimes now with professional sports and my kids getting scholarships and all of that, they, you know, they get just super, super, super involved. <laughs> yeah. 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 But, um, but, uh, and then as far as, um, the, the question was, so how do you, what, what do you, what, what is hard, what is the hardest to deal with, with a student, um, do you have another? Do you have a different answer that for that, Lynn? Well, yeah, I, I was going to say. I mean, I wouldn't call it scary, but I would call it frustrating. Is when they hit a shot and then they turn around and they go, "Why did I do that?" You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, that's what they're used and, to. And like, they take no responsibility as if they weren't the one that's you know actually made the swing. Um, so you know, just sometimes breaking down that barrier that hey, you know, like you got to be involved in this. <laughs> With your learning and your your whole golf experience, so kind of like what do you think you did? Yeah, and and also I mean just like okay, you need to let's start with the basics of let's get some self awareness going on here instead of just somebody always feeding back to you what you did wrong and what you should do next. You know, interesting. Um, yeah, so um, it's you know you, you can call it moving them more to a Socratic kind of model of exploration. You know, so I'm. I'm doing more Socratic teaching or coaching, if you will, and they're having to explore their experience. But sometimes, you know, some people are resistant to that. They're like, no, I just want to be told what to do. <laughs> I don't, uh, I am not able to understand what Socratic means. Oh, Socrates. I mean, I know, I don't. <laughs> you ask a lot of questions. You just ask a lot of questions. I don't, part. yeah. Oh, okay. So it's like when you, you know. So, so it's you, just me. So you ask, exactly. I mean, I just no, ask. Yeah, yeah. I just sit around be, and ask questions. Yeah, yeah, this exactly. is a Socratic great. podcast. And, and, it comes from, and it comes from our pure belief that when you play golf, you're going to play better if you can manage yourself and actually, you know, be your own coach more on the golf course because you can't really get advice out there anyway. So right. it's very pragmatic for us. But yeah. many have never learned to answer anything for themselves. And it's a big problem. It's really hard to become a great golfer if you can't feel the difference between a fast and a slow swing, for example. Or So we just think it's so fundamentally for our game that you need some some self-awareness and self being able to self-regulate. Right. But like yeah. Lynn said, if they've never been allowed to do that, it's a longer journey and they need to they need to buy into it and understand that this is hardcore importance for being a good golfer yeah. right that the, you are the expert on you instead of us standing outside yeah that's probably uh does it how do you uh, well we because we want to our biggest wish is to coach ourselves out of a job then we're happy <laughs> Yeah, well, just so yeah. that the player can be, yeah. like Pia said, self-referencing yeah. and self-regulating. Yeah. They actually have the skills in their backbone. Yeah. They can manage themselves after they've made a triple bogey, right? Or they can manage themselves when... This, your swing is falling apart. Yeah, or they play is super-duper slow. Yeah. Just right? you're asking for a friend, what do you do when your swing is falling apart? Is it, <laughs> just, just curious. Well, it, that's in, that's like the 28 million different reasons. So it's helping them figure out for them, is it that they're, they miss aim? Or is it that their temper gets too quick? Or is it that the shoulders tighten? Or is it that they start thinking about stuff over the ball? So there can be hundreds of different reasons, but it's helping them efficiently knowing one or a couple of reasons that seem to be reoccurring all the time. Mm. Yeah. I'll let them know. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, uh, 
Do you guys have any questions for me or anything? Is it? Yeah. uh, Where do you think you will be with your golf in five years? Because like right now you don't need you don't need to finish eighteen holes. You said, but where do you think you'll be with it in five years from now? That's a good question. Um, Well, if you'd asked me that five years ago, I would have been wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Whatever I would have said then, Um, definitely, right? So, well, I, I see, but golf for me isn't about hitting the ball anymore okay it is I enjoy it and we go out and we, I love to hit the ball and I care about my clubs and I yeah. and I think about it a lot but that's a 20% of the game for me for me now the game of golf is more about um, kind of this conversation and um, you know you know I mean I, I, I get so sad when I think about people who loved the game and now are basically about to commit golf suicide yeah, but I must They're say with that, one away. of the things that makes it the happiest, and we get many that come to our golf school as kind of a last resort. They've been everywhere, and they've been trying to make all these things change, and it's just like it's just going bad. And nothing makes us happier than we feel like we saved another one uh, <laughs> that Seriously. found a way. Like, wow, this game is actually there's a way to start enjoying this and and, and that means more to us than anything so we do the opposite of what you say actually help them find a way to play and find a way to looking at the game that makes them fall in love with it again and that is beautiful and so many uh, so many can go that way instead right yeah you should make a hotline (laughs) (laughs) well I actually you know we just came from the the PGA show and before that the PGA teaching and coaching summit and I said to Pia um, I go, you know, actually, people come to us to recover from golf a lot. <laughs> interesting. Yeah, you know, I'm like, it's kind of interesting. Like, what if they learned the game in the beginning that it's technical skills and human skills? We wouldn't have to do all this recovery of, <laughs> you mm. know, that they learned, as you have PA, you often call them like the hidden fundamentals. Like, every golfer knew that there's these other skills you need to play the game and enjoy the game. I wonder if that's possible. I wonder. I wonder if that could be the we first introduction. We know. We, it is. we know it is. We, we, it is. we absolutely. It's like we, know. we want that to be part of our legacy. It's yeah. moving that way. Yeah. How do you know? From the feedback we keep getting from the hardcore technical teachers around. Like. Well, there there's so many of them, and they they want to learn more, and they get it that. You know, for the future of the game to move to the next level is to not see it technical comes first, and then when there's crisis, we bring these other skills that we actually bring life together. And once again, because you cannot play golf without yourself, let's face it. That, that cracks me up when you say that. Yeah, and so it just because I would like to find a way. <laughs> so it's just in AI. Yeah, no, but then you know, and it's not anyway. So it's. It's going that way. I felt it for a few years, and now I feel it a lot more. Yeah. So what you're saying is, you guys think pretty differently, and you're saying that the other, what percentage of golf coaches out there teach like you do? Uh, not 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 a lot. Not percentage. many, but we we don't yeah. want to be unique and yeah. it's and not outliers. It's, no, it's uh, it's. <laughs> no, I, I know. I'm I know. not saying no, that. No, but, but unfortunately, and it is because the. The training traditionally we get that PGAs around the world or LPGAs around the world has been focused more on you know a 
te technique, technology, equipment, and now it's been moving to fitness, it's good, but it's just everybody starts off not knowing enough about these other important fundamentals. But it's changing too, because many of these organizations now are getting curious about how can we change the foundational education of the future coaches of the game. Mm. Yeah, well, I was just going to try to paint a picture because it's like we, you guys go to the, you know, teaching summit. And I don't know what percentage are already in your camp. I mean, I'm sure that everybody at your level as far as golf training, uh, golf coaches and things like that, they're, they all get it. But it's sort of a matter of now we need to place importance in our curriculum, even though we're just teaching the swing. Yeah. Like I'm using a TrackMan in a video, but I need to actually get people into enjoying the game. Yeah before I start messing with their wrists. Right. And so that's that's what you're saying. Yeah. Yes. Or at least along with doing yeah. the Yeah, I mean doing the technical pieces. Or, I mean bring it together. Yeah, or you know, hey, get some trackman numbers and then let's take you out on the golf course. Mm. You know, let's not just leave you here on the range with trackman numbers. Well, or even if technically let's say you want someone to <clears throat> feel their hips differently through the ball. It's really important to make sure they actually can feel their hips if they're present enough in the body swinging so they can do what you want them technically. That's what I mean. It, they go together. They're integrated. They're not like you can't separate them. So let's, let's bring them more together because all the technical improvement is going to happen faster. So the idea of feeling your hips throughout the swing, maybe for everybody listening who... I would imagine don't know much about your teachings or furthermore, I don't know how many people listening to this have taken a lesson. Right. And I, and I try to tell people to take lessons cause I know I did and I think it was a good thing, but you know, <laughs> but now I'm definitely in my, I'm like in my swing a lot, not positive and not in a good way really, but um, like, don't say it like you want to okay. talk. We're not going to talk about it. That's not on the table. <laughs> okay. But maybe the future. Maybe. Um, <laughs> I mean, but, you know, in closing, kind of, could we leave everybody with some sort of, is, is there a way to do that, to leave everyone with some sort of, uh, not advice or something, but, you know, is that a tough question? No, but it, it isn't. And I actually, we have, even have it free on our website. We've, we've had golfers just go out without any coach, but just go out and decide nine or 18 holes of actually exploring. And we have a piece of paper that just said, you know, like play one hole with 75% tempo. You know, play one hole where you really see the ball flight before stepping into the shot. Play one hole feeling constant grip pressure. And every time we've done this, with any golfer without any coaches, after the round, discover really cool things that either work, makes them play really good or makes they realize makes them fall apart. And I love that because there are ways for all of those that for whatever reason is not taking lessons right now, but they can still just get a template of when they go and play their Saturday round, just explore some things and they, I know they improve. And so that's at vision54.com, 5-4. Yep, you got it. Check it out. That sounds fun. I, um, like I said, the, the, the time we spent together was definitely one of the most, uh, you know, we were joking about the beginning of this podcast and what we're going to talk about and how it was going to be spontaneous and we didn't know. I can't imagine a more spontaneous three days in golf and there's been a lot of golf in between now and then. But I still remember those some mm -hmm. of those uh, activities and drills we all did. And just ways of thinking about the game that, yeah, I don't, you don't see very much. So I'm excited for other people to learn about it. And, uh, you know, call the hotline, as it were, if they need to. 
Thanks, Eric. Thanks for coming. Thank you very much. See you guys soon.